Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. Done without bias. But having the knowledge isn't enough. That's what you could pass a test with. Having wisdom is now knowing the truths that you're hearing today and now letting those truths change your life by extending grace to every race because the grace that was extended to you and your race. And so again, that's real wisdom there. And I love when I look at that wisdom and experience it from God and from others, but I pray that I could do the same thing with others. When I'm ignorant, I put people down. When I'm wise, I build people up. Uh, That's wisdom. Let me give you another thought here of what God hates. We know that He hates uh, prejudice, but He also does it because it challenges His creation, that He's the Creator, it exposes our ignorance. But this is a big one. It violates the Great Commandment. The Great Commandment. The Great Commandment goes like this. And He said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. It's almost as if Jesus is there, and he has these Pharisees that are kind of trying to trip him up on all of this, and he says, well, tell us, what what is all of this? What's the biggest thing that we should be doing with all of this stuff? And by the way, the, the, the Pharisees were so prejudicial against everybody else, they thought they were the greatest, they were like the chosen race kind of thing. And so they're looking at Jesus, and Jesus basically looks at them, and he holds up a Bible, so to speak, and he says, you want to know what this whole Bible is about? I'll reduce it to just two things, love God, love others. It's so powerful that he said it Old Testament to Judaic ethic, and then he says it in the New Testament, so you have the Christian ethic, so to speak. So the whole Judaic ethic is to love God and to love others. And he kept saying that over and over again, and he said it to the Pharisees. Then I thought what was really kind of cute with God, if I can use that term, and that is that um, if you recall, there was a story told in Scripture, it's very familiar, you know it already, about this guy who was beat up and left all bloodied mass, and one guy walks on one side of the street, doesn't do much, another on the other side doesn't do much. And all of a sudden, the Samaritan, who was one of the most hated ethnic groups, disliked, marginalized, had to live in their own little place, always put down, they're a brunt of every joke, people with bigotry, racism, everything about the Samaritans. God then chooses in his sovereignty to raise up the least in the minds of the people of an ethnic group, the Samaritan, to use that Samaritan as a good example, a great example of what it really means to love your neighbor. Now tell me, isn't that cute? Isn't that great? That's what you do. You love your neighbor. And so as I look at that, I need to do that even more. But it doesn't just say it there. Galatians 5.14 says it even more powerfully. And it says, For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now here it goes on to say, Galatians 5.15 says, But, see if this doesn't sound like what you hear on the news at night. But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you're not consumed by one another. We're biting one another, and now we're shooting one another. Now we're killing one another, and now we're going to see whole groups do that. And it's quite possible that in our lifetime, yea, 
During this next year, it could get so bad that martial law is established. Now, on the way home and you have your own private time, think of what it would be like under martial law. And I've got to stop because if you go this far, I mean, it could get really crazy for you. That's what this is in our life today, the living out of what Scripture has to say. Who says this book is an old, dusty book? It's right for us today. So God says that our prejudice violates the great commandment. The fourth thing is prejudice is a severe sin. I don't like to put certain sins in this is worse, this is less, but I also want you to know that prejudice prejudice is more serious than what we think it is. So it's a more severe sin for us than what we think that it is. And let me give this to you in James chapter 2, verse 9, emphasizing the word you. But if you show partiality, it means you favor one above another, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. So let's put it another way. I am not saying that we have to condone sinful actions by one ethnic group against another ethnic group. I'm not saying that. I'm not condoning the murder of police officers as a payback for being victimized by said group. I'm not, I'm not condoning that. God doesn't condone that. God doesn't even approve that. But what we are saying, though, is in the midst of all of that, while we are using that as our flag and banner to now do great damage to other ethnic groups, we are prejudging a lot of that that's going out there. And on that prejudgment, we then pronounce sentence. And we are just as guilty as if we've done this. If you hate, you kill. Okay, let's move on. I need to move a little bit faster now, and I want to really end with this, and that is, how does the church respond to racism? So it's not here for, for you to feel guilty. Oh, I'm, I'm bad here, and I didn't do that. And I, oh, man, I'm just a, I, I am a, nearly a bigot here. I'm not here to leave you that way, not at all. I want to now kind of say that we've turned the corner. We are saying as a church, as a person, as a Christian, let's say it that way, that we want to go to another level. What, what do I do? What do I do with all of this stuff? Well, I'm going to make it as simple as possible. I'm going to give you the, the, the principle, the verse, and one little tiny thing to start you in the right direction. So maybe with some of this, you can then take your family through it. I, I gave you the behind story. I also gave you some of the principles now, why God hates all this prejudice. But now I want to say, what do we do as a church? What, what can I do to root out some of this racism, bigotry, indifference, avoidance, all of this in me, so that I can become a bridge builder? Let me give you just three, just three, just own these three. They'll be easy to remember. Number one is this. We should, look, we should look at everyone through the eyes of God. Look at everyone through the eyes of God. There is no law, no government, that in of itself can legislate the elimination of racial tension. The first thing we need to do is to look at everyone through the eyes of God. 1 Samuel 16, verse 7 is an often overused passage of Scripture, but I believe there's enough in here that will help us. It says, God sees not as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, beginning at their skin, how they wear their hair, how they wear their pants, how high they wear their pants, at their outward appearance. They look at them, but the Lord looks at their heart. Now, it's natural It is normal for us to look at the outward appearance, and we can't ever eliminate that. And this is important. 
Listen to this very carefully now. I've been around enough Christians that use this phrase. Well, you know, I'm, I'm beyond all this racial stuff because, you see, I'm colorblind. I don't see that. I, I look at their heart. I'm colorblind. They have a word for that. It's the word um, liar. Okay? Because nobody really is colorblind. And God doesn't want us to be colorblind. You catch this? God wants us to be color-blessed. You know what I mean by that? What I mean by that is to celebrate that this person is whatever ethnic group, whatever color of their skin would be, because God made them. So when I celebrate them, I'm ultimately, by extension, celebrating God. So I don't become color-blind to them. I become color-blessed. But I look at their heart. goes on to say, and I love so much what was said this morning during our Scripture reading about Peter. Peter had the us-and-them mentality. Us, meaning the Jews, and the rest of us, the rest of the world, is all the others. We would call them Gentiles. And, and Peter wanted to do what was right. I get all of that. And so he was in his little box, and he saw everybody else as them. But God, progressive revelation, had a bigger plan, which was to make sure the gospel was given to everybody in the world. And he knew that if you have an us-and-them mentality, that wouldn't happen. So he sent this vision to Peter. And so Peter had a wake-up call on that night. And all of a sudden, there was a knock on the door, and, hey, come over here to this other ethnic group. And that began the spread of the gospel. And you and I who are Gentiles together today, that are now believers in Christ, are a direct result of Peter responding to that vision, to that message from God to end prejudice. And so why would we want to plug up the system for global evangelism to other ethnic groups? And so we don't want to do that. So Peter said, I most certainly understand now that I'm a believer, now that God spoke to me, now that we could say we've got Scripture, that God is not one to show partiality, and I want to be as godly as I can, so therefore I won't either. But in every nation, the man who fears him and does what is right is welcome to him, and I've got to take that message to everyone. And we really want to do that, and I pray that we would see everybody that needs to hear the gospel. Now, I know when I said that to you that... Some of you says this is almost impossible for me to, to be able to break through that racial barrier, that, that, that prejudice that I have. I know it's impossible. And that's why God steps in and He says, with me though, it is possible because I have given you me in you, the hope of glory. I've given me the Holy Spirit in you for all the power. I've given the Godhead in you so that you now can love whom God loves. It's all right there. All you've got to do is push your want to button and it begins to work. But I don't know that we're willing to push that button that God's given to us. And I'm praying that we would really want to do that. Because we have it all within us. You don't think it can be done? I know it can be done. There's a guy by the name of John. John lived 250 years ago. John was a guy who um, was pretty much um, show-me-the-money kind of guy. Show-me-the-money, he felt like he could make a lot of money if he could go to Africa and grab some people that were um, not used to living outside of Africa and with the power that he had from his own little ethnic group that had a, a lot more power and guns, he was able to capture those people and put them on a boat. And on that boat, he would take them to another land and sell them and make money off these people. It was easy because they had guns and power and knives and clubs and chains. And do that. He was so bad that at one time that his own men took him and keyholed him, threw him overboard, drug him underneath the ship, then left him on another island basically to die, so to speak. short time after that, God broke through all that bigotry that he had, all that greed that he had, 
and he came to faith in Jesus Christ. From that, he then surrendered his life to the Lord and became a great pastor. So he went from a slave trader, an enslaving master, to one who would free every color from their sin. It meant so much to him because he experienced the grace of God that he wrote a song that we love to sing. And oddly enough, it is played on bagpipes at most police officers' funeral. And it's the song Amazing Grace. And he's saying that because it was the grace of God that released him from his own bigotry and greed to now turn him into releasing others from their bigotry, greed, and other things. So look at each other through the eyes of God. What's your simple little action step? In your quiet time, I'd like you to just take that verse, First Samuel, and I'd like you to meditate on it. And I want you to have an open conversation with your children. And talk to them, what does it mean about the outward appearance, the inward appearance, and when we can and when we shouldn't, what's more important, what that all looks like with them. And then perhaps ending your own infusion of your prejudices into that generation that you might influence. Here's number two. There's only three, so it's easy. Number two is we must listen to everyone with the ears of God. First, we look at everyone through the eyes of God. Then we need to listen to everyone with the ears of God. Basically, what I'm saying there is we need to listen to them with respect. Listen to them respectfully. Let me read to you the verse. Again, 1 Peter says, But everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. You know, when people are really hurt the anger comes out. When was the last time you had an argument with a family member? When you're really hurt, it just kind of comes out. You're angry. So if you're around someone who is giving this vitriol of all this feeling of racial tension and they're just dumping on you, and you hear that when you watch these things in the community action groups on television, there's just this anger is out there. Here's what you tell yourself. First of all, you lock your lips. That's hard because you're gonna you want to explode. I get it. I, you lock your lips. The next thing that you do is you let all of that junk come out because you're telling yourself hurting people hurt people. They're hurting others. They want others to feel their pain, and they're gonna say, do, scream, completely go out of control because they are hurting. Well, they shouldn't hurt. They shouldn't feel that way. Well, we already answered that, didn't we? So while they're giving you all this junk, a lot of that anger now is driven by adrenaline. And that adrenaline is a chemical that's inside of you that when you're exerting that adrenaline, it will affect you to the point where you get tired. It's an emotion that really drags you down after you had this screaming, yelling thing, and uh, finally it's, because it really drains you. That's kind of where you want to get. So how do you do that with them? When they're just giving you all of that stuff and they finally come up for air, Try this. This is a mature person. This is one of wisdom. Say, tell me more. And let them unload more. Well, tell me more. When did you feel that way? How did it start? How many times did it happen? Let them just unload everything because your purpose is to be swift to listen. You're listening now as if they're giving this to God. God already knows it. But with His ears, and you're showing them respect. You're allowing them to have their day in court, perhaps, with you. And you're asking God to keep your mouth closed, keep your ears open, 
and to listen what is really causing them to really, really hurt. You say, I can't do that. I know, I can. But He can, therefore I will. Did you catch that? I can't. He can. God, therefore I will. And so when they're finally done with all of that junk, now perhaps you're able to have a conversation, little by little, on some of the substance of that real hurt. And own that hurt with them. We do weep with those who weep, don't we? Don't we? Or should we? All right, number three. Oh, let me give you one little practical thing. I said about tell me more, but when, I, when, you do, when they do tell you more, try to remember what they're telling you, not to use that as an argument against them. Okay, now number three. We must love everyone with the heart and hands of God. We're to look at everyone through the eyes of the Lord. We're to listen to everyone with the ears of God. And number three, we're to love everyone with the heart and hands of Jesus or of the Lord. John fifteen twelve says, This is my commandment that you love one another, and I love it, just as I have loved you. So how does the Lord love me? Unconditionally? Freely? Completely? Continually? And sacrificially? Let me go over those again. If God loves me these five ways and I'm to love others just like He loves me, then what would that look like? I would love them continually, sacrificially, completely, unconditionally, and freely. Now, I can say I love them, and that's where I bring in the heart of the Lord. You start with the heart, but then you bring along the hands. And so my question is, what can I do? What could I physically do to reach out to them in some special way? Well, here's a practical thing you can do for yourself, and that is on a little note card, put that verse, John 15, 12. This is my commandment that you love one another just as I've loved you. Keep it handy, memorize it, and then use it when you're around people of another ethnicity to help them out. Well, I need to bring this message to a close, and I know that it's very important, so let me just close it up with this. God does have a design for racial reconciliation, and it's really found in the person of Jesus Christ, watch this, and the church. God says about reconciliation is that we have two enemies and we need to bring them together. The greatest of enemies isn't black against white or one group against the other. And by the way, it's not just a black and white thing. When I'm in Mongolia, you have certain Mongolians that don't like the other, outer Mongolia, inner Mongolia, and I can go on and on and on, all right? So they're all, all of that. So we could talk about reconciling this together, two groups together. But before we do that, we have to reconcile the great divide, the great difference, the great enemy relationship there is between God and us, so to speak. And we're an enemy of God. He's not an enemy of us. And so to break that enemy relationship, he said, I'm going to send my son. Now, listen carefully. This is doctrine that you know, but I want to bring it out to you in another way. He says, I want to show that to you. And he says, so in order for me to break that and to bring reconciliation because we're enemies, my son is going to go to the cross and he now is going to suffer every injustice that he never deserved. He took it all on himself. He owned that for you and me on the cross. And then he died and then he provided forgiveness for the sole purpose that we who are humans could be reconciled to the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He did all of the work. Now for that reconciliation now to bring its final fruition, 
is that we now have to accept that as truth. It means we believe it. And then we have to depend upon that. And he says, when I do, he says, I'll forgive you of all of your sin. Now, once I'm reconciled upward, okay, now it's to be reconciled outward. And that's why we have the sign of the cross. It's the upward with God and the outward with others. So in a church, I wish I had time. This is another whole sermon, but the whole church is nothing but there's no Greek, there's no Jew, there's no rich, there's no poor, there's no male nor female because God says your primary identity is not going to be found in your ethnicity. So don't fly that flag too high. It's not going to be found in where you were born. It's not going to be found in your job. It's not going to be found because you're a man. Hey, you're one. No, it's not found in your physicalness. Your identity is going to be found in the person of Christ on the cross and the fact that God says now we are all one in Christ Jesus. So that's where our identity is found. And if you want something very practical, in a couple of weeks we're going to have communion here. Communion really is the outward display of the model of all of that reconciliation between God because now it's reconciliation between one another. It's communing. We're all a part of God's body. We eat the bread all together, one body, being many, one body, the bread. Drinking the juice, the blood of Christ. We're all part of the body of Christ, and we take it together in love for one another. So, dear ones, when we leave here today, my greatest desire is you'd be reconciled with God by realizing you're a sinner and you need Him to do the work for you on the cross, which He did, it's done. And now your faith and reliance upon Him is the one who loves you, who made you the way He made you, male or female, whatever your ethnicity is. You are a homo sapien of the race of Adam. And the second Adam came to bring you to Him. I pray you trust Christ as your Savior. You can't work for it. You can't change it like you can't change your color. It's by faith. And then secondly, that when we leave here today, that this church here would become a lighthouse of demonstrating what it means to look at others through the eyes of God, to listen to others with the ears of God, and then to love one another with the heart and hands of God. Let's pray, shall we? Racism is terrible, perhaps more for others because um, they suffer the brunt of racism. But remember that when they suffer, we all suffer. First as humans, but even more so in the body of Christ. And when one person is bitter, that one person will defile many. So we are all living in a defiled society. But is there an antidote? Absolutely. Is there hope? Unquestionably. The antidote is Jesus Christ, His death and resurrection. The hope is found in Christ and the fact that you and I have accepted the payment Christ made for us on the cross, and we are blood-bought, born-again believers in Christ. We are one in the Spirit because of Christ. Now, with the grace that we have received, let us now demonstrate that grace to others. Now listen carefully to this, very carefully now. Not merely to bring races together, but to bring the gospel of grace the world. Our dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that going to heaven is a believing thing and not a behaving thing. I thank you that it's not based on any superior race, one above the other.
We're all just humans in need of the same Savior. And we thank you that, Father, that we can have eternal life and know it not based on our good deeds or even our background or where or of whom we were born. But we are born again into your forever family. And that, Father, we are not bond or free. I thank you that, Father, that that grace that saved us and so many others would now live on us and that we would extend that grace of God that is to every man, that common grace of air and water, but also the real grace of Christ found in the gospel and sharing that with the world. Father, I love you and I thank you for this great church who will live out these truths and a great pastor who reminds us of these truths. For it is in your precious name we pray. Amen. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear.